So if you have your Bibles or electronic devices, you can turn with me to 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 5. I'm, uh, today I'm just doing a standalone message called Think Therapy. And um, I, I think in our country and I think in the times in which we live uh, that, that I think we could all use just a little bit of, of Think Therapy or come to the place that we're grateful for some things or are or, or thankful uh, for some things. And so there we go. I couldn't remember my password. And so now... All things are good. And so while you're turning or looking for 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, uh, let me tell you a, a, a joke, a story about a young man. He's in high school. He was in a, raised in a small town, and so he got to the place where he, he got his first car, and so he asked this little girl in the classroom. He asked her out for a, for a date. And so she says, well, I'm sorry, I, I cannot go on a car date, but you can come over to the house, you can have dinner with the family, we can watch TV together and that kind of stuff. So I'd love to do that. And so he says, fine. Uh, so on, his, on the way to the date, he stopped by like a Walgreens, and so he bought three boxes of chocolate. He bought a one-pound box, two-pound box, and a three-pound box. And so it was a crazy day at Walgreens that day, and so the pharmacist had come out, and the pharmacist was, was helping to check people out. So the pharmacist checked the young man out and says, I, what's the occasion? I've never, I've never seen this. And so this young man says, well, I've got a date with a girl. I'm going to go over to her house and, and hang out with her family, have dinner, and watch TV. And so he said, so if I get to hold her hand, I'm going to give her a one-pound box. If I get to put my arm around her while we watch TV, I'm going to give her a two-pound box. And if I get to, get, if I get to kiss her goodnight, I'm going to give her a three-pound box. And so the pharmacist says, well, I've never heard of anything like that. And so he says, yeah, I kind of came up with it on my own. And so uh, he goes to the girl's house, and they sit down to dinner. And so the young man looks nervous. And so he says, hey, would you guys mind if I prayed? Can I just say the blessing? And so they said, sure. And so he prayed this really, really long, serious, religious prayer. And so, so, so then after he prayed, the girl leaned over to him and says, excuse me, I didn't know you were so religious. And he goes, I didn't know your dad was the pharmacist. <laughs> so, so a lot of times, the only time we pray is when we're in crisis, right? A lot of times, the only time that we pray is when we're in crisis, we're in trouble, we need God to do something, we need Him to change a circumstance, we need Him to change somebody, we need Him to fix something. And so if we're not careful, that's the only time we pray is when we're in a problem, we're in a crisis, we got something going on. But the Scripture says over 300 times in the Scripture, I'm telling you, I had to cut so many Scriptures out just to fit it down into one message. The Scripture talks over 300 times the importance of being thankful, just the importance of being grateful. I think we're in a place, whether it's with our country or maybe even individually, that I think we could use just a little bit of think therapy. I don't know if you're like me, but something happens in my heart and something happens in my life when I'm just grateful, when I'm just thankful for some of the things that are going on. Because the Scripture talks that this is just so important, so such, such an important principle for us to realize. See, Regardless of our situation, regardless of our circumstances, we always, we always have a choice. We have a choice in life. We can either be resisting or, or receiving. We can be thankful or we could be complaining or we can be content or we could be discontent. It's like our choice. I mean, it's a crazy thing uh, just to think about in just crowd dynamics or people dy dynamics. And I've taken tons of groups on mission trips. We, Karen and I have taken a group to Israel. And here's the, here's the interesting thing, just watching people. You can put a group of people in the same circumstance, the same situation. You always got two different groups of people. You always got that, that group of people that are they're just thankful. 
they're thankful, they're grateful, and you always have that other group that are just critical, that are complaining, that are negative, and it's not like they're, it's like they're not thankful for anything. And so a, a counselor many years back when I was going through a difficult circumstance in my life taught me this principle or taught me this called think therapy. And so I, I just, I just want to walk you through some scriptures this morning. I want, you to, I want to help you understand just the importance of us coming to the place of just being grateful, of just being thankful for what, what we have in life. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 14, here, here, here's, what, here's, what the, here's what the scripture says. It says, and we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. I mean, this is just so clear. This is so straightforward. See that no one repays evil for evil, but always seek to do good and to always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. So here, we go. so rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks, have gratitude in all circumstances. It doesn't say for all circumstances because there's some circumstances and situations we go through in life that aren't going to be fun, that we're not. So he's not saying you're thankful for the circumstance. He says learn to be thankful in the circumstance. Learn to be grateful within that circumstance or situation. And then he says give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. There's a lot of people when, when they go through crisis, when they go through problem, when they go through difficulty, they start asking a pastor or counselor or whoever, friend, they start asking a question, what is God's will for my life? What, what does God want me to do? What decision does God want me to make? And I can tell you this, one of the first things that God wants you to do in any situation is learn to be thankful. Is to learn to be grateful. In other words, what he says, in fact, is it's a command in this scripture, scripture that, that you and I have a choice. We can cho choose to either be thankful or we can choose to be ungrateful or not thankful. I mean, the interesting thing is the context about these verses. Paul is writing to a church there in Thessalonica, and they're going through a horrible set of issues. They're going through difficult circumstances. And Paul speaks into them, and in that moment he says, learn to be grateful. Learn, learn to be thankful. I mean, learn to come to that place in, the, in your life to where you're just grateful and you're thankful for the things you do have, for the people around you. For, the, for, for your situation. So I want to give you three things. I want to give you three things about think therapy that really is, has, has meant a lot to me and, and, and some of the results as far as think therapy or coming to the place to where you're just thankful. The first thing is this. When you practice think therapy, it changes your perspective. I mean, think therapy, when I went through a difficult time in my life, and, and I've gone through many in my life, but when I've come to the place where I've finally been able to be thankful or grateful, it changes some things in my life. It changes your perspective. Psalm 86:11 says, Teach me your way, O God, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart uh, to fear your name. I Here we go. So I give thanks to you, O Lord my God, with my whole heart, and I glorify your name forever. For great is your steadfast love towards me. You have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. And so what, what, what the scripture is saying is, is, is God is commanding us, God is telling us that we need, to, we need to be thankful. We need to be grateful. Because here's what happens in my life, and I'm sure it's true in your life. Whenever, whenever I start complaining, you know what I'm doing? I'm focusing on the things I don't have instead of the things I do have. Now, let me just tell you. 
regardless of the circumstance of the situation you're in right now, I promise you there is someone that would love to tra trade places with you. There is somebody in a worse circumstance, in a worse situation than you. And here's what I've noticed in my life, and, and I think this is why Scripture over and over, we're going to look at this as we just unpack this. The Scripture talks that we, we come into God's presence how? Not with a complaining, negative, critical spirit. We come into His presence with a thankful, grateful heart. Here's, here's what I've learned. When I, when I focus on the things I don't have instead of the things I do have, when I get to the place where I'm negative and I'm no longer thankful and I'm no longer grateful for what He's doing in life and all of those other things, it prevents me from hearing God. It builds a barrier between me and God because I'm no longer grateful. I'm no longer thankful. Listen, Philippians tells us this over and over and over in the book of Philippians, that there's only one type of person, one group of people that you cannot help, and that is the person that is not grateful or thankful for the things you're already doing for them. In 1993, I, I took a mission trip. I went to Beattlestock, Poland, and I learned a lot about being thankful. And I learned a lot about being grateful. And so I, I don't know if you've ever been in an impoverished country. I don't know if you've ever been outside the U.S. where you actually did missions. But we went to uh, Beattlestock, Poland. Beattlestock, Poland was an interesting place. It was right up against the Russian border. It's where 90% of the, of the nuclear fallout, the radiation from Chernobyl had happened. And so there, there's just like very little food. And, and then the food you did eat, they warned you that it's probably radioactive. So we didn't need a nightlight at night. We just kind of glowed. And so, uh, so, so there, was, there wasn't a lot of food. There was like no meat. And, um, and we ate, I, I'm serious, for, for, I mean, I was there two weeks, and, but it seemed like longer. Uh, but, but for the two weeks that we were there, uh, we ate a lot of cabbage. And we ate a lot of vegetables and not the good kind of vegetables, not the fried vegetables, but uh, <laughs> they like boiled everything. And so we, we had cabbage, we had cabbage soup almost three meals a day, cabbage and beets and corn and some of those other things. And so it was probably the very first time that I, I was just like really hungry. And so you, you, in Beattlestock, Poland, it's so impoverished, they rationed toilet paper there. Yeah, we brought our own. If you traveled within, within the city and you stopped at a public restroom, there was an attendant in the, in the male and the female restroom, and they rationed out the toilet paper. I mean, you got three squares. That may be too much information for you, but that's what you got. Don't waste it. And so, and so I mean, I mean we, we're, we're in a place where we can't even fathom that, right? And so, I mean, for, and all of a sudden I was amazed that all of a sudden I became really, really grateful and really thankful for some of the simple things that I had in the U.S. I'm not, listen, I'm not a uh, Taco Bell person. Do you work for Taco Bell, own a Taco Bell, uh, nothing against Taco Bell, I'm just not a Taco Bell person. And so we'd spend a couple of weeks in Beattlestock, Poland. And we're coming out of Beattlestock. We're going into Warsaw. Warsaw is a big city. And we passed, and I could not believe it, we passed a Taco Bell. And I'm like, I'm in shock. I'm like, there's a Taco Bell here? And they said, well, really, it's a Kentucky Hut or Kentucky Hut or something like that. It's a Pizza Hut, Kentucky Fried Chicken, and a Taco Bell, all in one. And I says, well, I'll, so I, I told the... Uh, I told the, the interpreter, I says, you know what, here's the deal. If you can get me in there, 
I'll buy Taco Bell for everybody. I mean, I just wanted some spicy food. I wanted some. I wanted some food. I, I I've been eating cabbage for like two weeks. I said, just get me the Taco Bell. I'll buy Taco Bell for everybody. And so she worked it out. And so we had a group of about 15 or 20 of us. And so we make it to Taco Bell. We're walking in. She's leading the way, and she says something to the person in Taco Bell. And they have this conversation. She pushes and says, we've got to leave, we've got to leave. We leave, and when we're in the parking lot, I says, what is wrong? And she says, oh, you don't understand. In Warsaw, Poland, you need a reservation to eat at Taco Bell. See, for them, Taco Bell is like a four-star restaurant to where you would call and you would get a reservation. I mean, it's amazing when I was there that all of a sudden I became very thankful and I became very grateful for the things that I had in the in the U.S. Listen, we can always find something to complain about. Listen, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't take a lot of intelligence to always find something to complain about, to always be negative about something, to always tell someone how they could do something better. It doesn't take a lot of intelligence to do that. Anybody can do that. Well, you know what the Scripture says? The Scripture says it takes spiritual maturity to come to the place to where you can be grateful and you can be thankful for the people around you, for the relationship you have with God, for what God's doing in your life. And, and when you do that, it changes your perspective. It changes the way you see people. And it, I'm telling you, and it changes their perspective of you. On this 4th of July weekend, we can all sit around and, and say how messed up our country is and what's wrong with our country, and we can gripe and we can complain about our country. Or we can take the other side and we can be thankful that we live in the U.S. To where I never have to worry if, if there's enough food. If there's enough food on the, in the grocery store, I never have to worry about any of those other things. I can buy all the toilet paper I want. You know, we can, still, we can still be thankful that in the U.S., I can still speak the name of Jesus. I can still preach the name of Jesus. I can still talk about Jesus. We can assemble together as a church and a congregation, and we can worship Him without any fear, without any worry of someone shooting us, beheading us, taking our lives, persecuting us. Listen, when I was in Beatlestock, Poland, we, we went to a church right up against the Russian border. And we're in this church, and we came to the place to where we gave them an opportunity to respond. We didn't have them walk down because we couldn't do that because their lives could be threatened. And so we had them. When they wanted to accept Christ, they just looked up at us, and they let our, their eyes meet our eyes. And we had slipped stuff to them later. When we were doing that, and people were accepting Christ, and they were lifting their heads, there was someone from the government in that congregation, and they started taking pictures of people that were accepting Christ. I asked someone, I said, what is going on? Who's taking these pictures? Why are they taking these pictures? And they says, more than likely, they're going to be persecuted. Some of those people may lose their life. I'm telling you, I don't, know, I don't know about you, but I need think therapy in my life because think therapy will change your perspective of life. It, listen, it, 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 refreshes, it refreshes your heart. It does something to you. And listen, the most negative, critical people I know are not the most thankful people I know. Fact is, it's very seldom that they ever say they're thankful about anything or they're ever thankful about anyone. And part of our spiritual maturity is coming to this place that we're just grateful and thankful. The second thing of this uh, about think therapy is this: think therapy reminds me of God's goodness. 
I mean, I'm, I'm stuffed in a, in a basement of a dirty, dingy church for a couple of weeks in Beattlestock, Poland, and all of a sudden just, just being grateful and just being thankful for my wife and for my family and for what we have in the U.S. and all of those other things, it reminded me of God's goodness. Here, here's what the Scripture says in, in Psalm 118.1. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for, for He is good. For His steadfast loves endures forever. Psalms 100, verse 4. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. So let me ask you. So how do you enter the presence of God? With a thankful heart. With a grateful heart. Telling you, an ungrateful heart builds a barrier. A hardened heart builds a barrier between you and God. And he goes on, give thanks to him. Bless his name. Do you realize you can bless the name of God? You, you can bless the heart of God? That's a concept that is just, just so huge for me, even, from, even to get your mind around, that you can bless the heart. You can bless the heart of the creator of the world. And you know what it's like as a parent, right? You know what it's like when your kids come up to you and they tell you thankful, they're, they're thankful for something or they're grateful for something and not because they want something but because they're just genuinely thankful and they tell you thank you. You know what it does for your heart. Instead of them always coming to you with demands or they're always coming to you with their needs or what they want. Man, God's the same way. And so he goes on and he says, for, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. And his faithfulness to all generations. And I'm telling you, whenever you're thankful, whenever you're grateful, it brings you back to the goodness of God. It reminds you how good God is, that God is faithful and God never changes. Just like the Psalm, Psalm 52, 9 says, I, I will thank you forever because you have, you have done it. I will wait for your name for it is good in the presence. He's talking about corporate worship here. He says, in the presence of the, of the godly. And whenever I start reflecting on the goodness of God, there's some things that I'm always reminded of, of, of the goodness of God, because the goodness of God includes salvation. I mean, the Scripture says that salvation is, is just a, it's a free gift. It's grace. And it's not of work so that no man can, can boast. And I'm always reminded of, the, of, the, of just the goodness of God, of the salvation of God, that when we're His and when we've, we've accepted Him, that we're in the family forever and nothing, listen, nothing can separate us from the love of the Father. Nothing can separate us from Him. And then, and then when you start looking at salvation, you start thinking about this issue of, of forgiveness and just, just what it means to be forgiven. About seven or eight years ago, I needed, I needed a hobby in life. I was living a pretty unbalanced life, and so for whatever reason, I decided to take up golf to, like, reduce stress out of my life. And, uh, and so I, I started playing golf, and I played golf with a guy one time, and, and like, he, one of my first times or first few times to play golf, and he hit a ball off, and I, he hit a house or into the trees or out of bounds, whatever, and he says, I'll, I'll, I'll take a mulligan on that. And I don't know if you know what a mulligan means, but a mulligan is, is like, I, I need a do-over. Uh, that stroke doesn't count. It doesn't go on the scorecard, so I, I need a mulligan. And so I'm like, that's amazing. And so my question was, well, how many mulligans do you get in a round of golf? Because I could probably shoot par if I got enough mulligans, right? I mean, I'd need a bucket full, but I, I could probably do it. And so, and he goes, oh, he says, my rules, you know, you get one mulligan per, per nine holes. That's how I play. And I says, okay, but, you know, I, I was thinking, wouldn't it be great if there were mulligans in life? I mean, wouldn't it be awesome like the mortgage company calls and says, hey, 
We didn't get your house payment this month. And you go, oh, I'll be taking a mulligan on that. <laughs> Wouldn't that be awesome? Or like the power company calls or, 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 or the car people that have your loan and says, hey, we didn't, we didn't get your car payment. We're going we're gonna to come like get your car. We're going to turn your lights off. And you just kind of chuckle to yourself, no stress. You're like, hey, I'll be taking a mulligan on that. I mean, it, it'd be awesome. But in a spiritual sense, God does give us mulligans. He gives us do-overs. That's part of salvation. That's part of being totally and completely forgiven. Listen, I understand about consequences. There's consequences to everything. But the mulligan is that God says, you're totally and completely forgiven. And I will not treat you as your sins deserve. Fact is, I will take your sins and I'll, I'll cast them as far as the east is the west from me. I'll take your sins and I'll put them behind me. And I will never look on them again. I mean, when you look at this, you realize that God's goodness includes forgive, uh, includes salvation. The second thing is His goodness includes unconditional love. It's hard for us to understand unconditional love because for many of us, we've given the right for people to approve of us to give us approval or take approval away. But when, when, you, when you look at this issue with God, God has unconditional love for us. Listen, we're, try, we're, we're not trying to earn His approval. We're not trying to earn our way into heaven. God's approval, God's love for you is not based upon uh, how intelligent you are, how successful you are, how, how, uh, how, how good you are, or, any of the, or how religious you are, any of that stuff. When you start looking at this, you realize God has total and complete unconditional. Listen, God has accepted you in Christ. You're totally and completely loved. You're totally and completely forgiven. And God has unconditional love for you. Another thing that God's uh, goodness includes is, is eternal life. I mean, when you just start when, when you start looking at this, you realize this is this is stuff that circumstances can't take away. This is stuff that people cannot take away. And God's goodness includes eternal life. He says in, in Colossians 1.12, he says, Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into his kingdom. In other words, at the point of salvation, when we accepted him, we moved from the, the, from, from the domain of darkness to light, to the kingdom of God, to, to heaven, to eternal life, to a relationship with him. And he says to us, the kingdom of his beloved son, in, him, in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins. I mean, the goodness of God includes that. The goodness of God, God includes eternal life. The goodness of God includes heaven to where one day we're going to be in this perfect place to where there's no more pain, there's no more tears, there's total and complete perfection. When you look at this, you just realize, see, here's what think therapy does. Think therapy helps remind you the goodness of God and how, how thankful you can be for some things in your life. Think therapy is also the last thing is this think therapy is also a daily discipline i mean i i think by nature none of us by nature are grateful are thankful i mean in other words it's it's a it's a spiritual act in other words this it's it's a discipline that comes in life 
because it's easy for any of us to get tired or to get stressed or to get whatever, to go through difficult circumstances, and then we just kind of start looking at the negative instead of the, the good and all of those other things. And so it, the thing therapy is like this daily practice, and you're going to see this in the Old Testament. You're going to see this flesh out about how, how the Jewish people live this out in the Old Testament. Just a few things that if you're going to develop a, a daily uh, discipline of think therapy, the first thing is this, you have to develop a habit of thankfulness. You have to develop, I mean, you have to develop a habit of thankfulness to where it just becomes a habit. Listen, let me tell you something. Paul wrote in the New Testament, you know what that was? That was a thank you note to a group of people that had served alongside of him. Romans chapter 16 was a thank you note. And he named people by name. Thank you for serving with me. Thank you for what you've done in my life. Thank you for what a blessing you are in my life. And so you have to develop a habit of thankfulness. Psalm 79, 13 says, But we, your people, the sheep of your pasture, will give thanks to you forever from generation to generation. Watch this. We will recount your praise. In other words, we're, it's just something we're doing. It's something that we're doing. We're, we're making it a part. We're making it a habit. We're making it a d discipline. We're just going to be grateful. Psalm 92, 1 says this. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love. This is so important. In the morning, in your faithfulness by night. So their rhythm in the Old Testament, their rhythm was this. In the morning, they'd always give thanks. They'd always tell God what they're thankful for. In the evening, they... they they thanked him for his faithfulness and said, you've been faithful. You've given me another day. You've met my needs. You've met my provisions. I mean, you see this. It was a habit in, in the Old Testament. In other words, a lot of us, you know what? We need think therapy. We need a habit of thankfulness. I mean, you, you ever been around like a, you ever seen the dichotomy or the difference between a thankful person and, a, and like a negative person? Uh, there's a story, it's one of my favorite stories about these two farmers and they farmed some land next to each other and one farmer was just a grateful farmer. He was just a thankful farmer. He was an optimistic guy and he farmed land next to a, uh, a negative complaining farmer. I mean, this guy was not optimistic. He was pessimistic. And so the, the thankful farmer always wanted to try to help the ungrateful farmer to improve in his life and so they'd be out farming together and, and the sun was up and it was a beautiful day and the thankful farmer would scream over the roar of his tractor to the negative farmer and say hey it's going to be a beautiful day today not a cloud in the sky the sun's out and the negative farmer would scream back and say yeah the sun's probably going to be up for days for weeks it's probably going to scorch our crops we're going to lose everything we're going to go bankrupt and then a few days later, all of a sudden, clouds would be forming, and it was starting to rain. And so the, the, the positive, uh, thankful farmer would scream to the negative farmer, and he would say, hey, look at this. we got clouds forming. Uh, our, our, our crops need some much-needed moisture. This is awesome. And the negative guy would scream back and say, yeah, but it's probably going to rain for days, months. It's probably going to wash our crops away. We're going to lose everything. And so this, 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 this frustrated, this thankful guy. He was frustrated, this positive guy. So he decided he was going to put the guy to the test. And he was going to do something that finally the guy was going to have to be thankful or grateful or complimentary of something or positive or something. So he goes out, the thankful farmer goes out and buys one of the highest trained bird dogs on the planet. And he gets this bird dog and he works with this bird dog and makes sure he can do everything he's supposed to do. So he invites the negative farmer out to go duck hunting. They go to the lake. 
They're sitting on the side of the lake. Some ducks fly in. Both farmers fire, shoot, and they kill three or four ducks. The ducks fall, and they're floating on the lake. And so the thankful farmer looks at his dog, gives him the sign, and that dog takes off. That dog gets to the lake. That dog can walk on water. That dog walks across the water, and the thankful farmer staring at the, at the negative farmer, and he's just watching him. And he, that dog walks on water, uh, grabs, grabs the ducks, comes back, delivers them, sits down. And so the thankful farmer's still looking at his buddy, and he says, well, you're not going to say anything? He said, your dog can't swim, can he? <laughs> you ever been around someone like that? You ever been around someone? It doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter. They're always going to find the negative. They're always going to find something to complain about. They're always going to find something to, to find wrong with something. I'm telling you, listen, when you go through difficult circumstances, and this is why Paul is writing into this church in Thessalonica, and he's telling them this is God's will for you to be thankful. Listen, let me tell you something. Thankfulness will override your circumstances. Thankfulness, it, it may not change your circumstance, but it will override your circumstance, and it'll change your perspective. And listen, it'll change people's perspective of you. There is nothing attractive about a person that is, that is ungrateful, that is not thankful for anything. He goes on and says, Colossians 2.6, Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him rooted and built up in Him and established in faith, just as you were taught. And here's an important phrase, abounding in thanksgiving. Listen, in, in, the, Greek le in, in the Greek language, the Greek le language is, creates beautiful word pictures. Abounding in, in, in thanksgiving means this. It means a river that's overflowing its banks. It means something that's overflowing with something. In other words, this, abounding in thanksgiving means this. It means to be overflowing with thankfulness and gratitude. fact is, here's an interesting thing about the Greek language. That abounding in thanksgiving is in the present tense. And it means this. It's, it's a continual habit. It's a daily thing. But just being thankful. Here's another thing that if you're going to make this a, a discipline, you've got to make a list of the things that you're thankful for. Psalm 75.1 says, We give thanks to you, O God. We give thanks for your name is near we recount your wondrous deeds. You see this over and over in the Old Testament. In other words, it's, it's this picture of, of making a list. A couple of months ago, uh, Success Magazine wrote an article on, on a coach from, basketball coach from Duke University. He goes by the name of Coach K, is what he's affectionately known as. Coach K is one of the mo uh, most winningest coaches in college basketball. His team has won over a thousand games, five national championships, and so they were interviewing him as a result of the 2015 season and the 2015 tournament. And so they asked Coach K. They said, "What turned you guys around? What, what was the big deal?" He said, "You're not going to believe this." He said, "Right before we entered that that tournament, I went into the the locker room. I had all the coaches, had all the players in there, and I, I took a basketball and a sharpie." And he said, I gave that basketball and I gave that Sharpie to those players and coaches and said, we're going to pass this around and we're going to write names of people on this basketball that we're thankful for. Uh, and he says, it, it turned emotional. He said, they started writing names of moms and dads and grandparents and aunts and uncles and friends and coaches and teachers. And, and they started telling stories. And I mean, he said, it, it was emotional. And he said, but something happened. And all of a sudden, that basketball became important. It became emotional. And he says, 
the players started fighting over who, who took possession of the basketball. And before long, it was on the team bus with us. It was on the team plane. It was at practices, it was at lunch, it was at our meals. Some of the players rumored that even slept with it and took it home because it, it was just it had so much meaning to them. And Coach K had said, here's something I've learned about gratitude and being thankful. Thankful people are resilient people. Thankful people have hope. Thankful people perceive others differently because they understand that we're together and we have relationships and we're thankful for that. The last thing, if you're going to make it a dis discipline, is this, make God the source of your thankfulness. He says in Hebrews 12, 28, he says this, Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship. And just for him to make that statement, then there's unacceptable worship. In other words, acceptable worship is when we're thankful and we're grateful, part of it, with reverence and awe. When you make God the source of your thankfulness, circumstance can't take it away. People can take away your job. They can take away your car. They can take away your position, possessions. They can take away everything. But one thing they can't take away, they cannot take away your relationship with God. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but we're, we're going to take communion together as a, a church family. And so as our ushers begin making their way to the back as we get ready to take of the bread and we get ready to take of the juice. I don't, I don't know if you've ever made this connection. That part of communion is coming to the place that we're just thankful. We're just grateful for what he's done for us. Fact is, here, here's, a, here's an interesting thing that you see over and over in Scripture. Fact is, you see the three times in the Gospels when Jesus administered the, the Lord's Supper that he said he always, he always took bread and gave thanks. Took bread and he gave thanks. I wonder if one of the reasons why that the ordinance of baptism was instituted in the local church is so we would, we would take time and just be thankful. And we'd just be grateful for him. Just a few minutes, the servers are going to be, begin passing out the plates with the elements. There's two cups, one on top of the other. As the plate comes by, you just take both cups off, hold it in your hand, pass the plate to the person next to you, and then in just a few minutes, we're going to take of the bread and we're going to take of the juice together as a, as a church family. Scripture talks that we shouldn't enter into this time lightly. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do this, this morning. Would you make a list before you take of the bread and before you take of the juice? Would you just make a list of what you're thankful for? When was the last time you just poured your heart out to him? And as I, I just want to tell you, I'm, I'm thankful. I'm just thankful for your goodness. I'm thankful for salvation. I'm thankful for eternal life. I'm thankful for unconditional love. And then go from there. The blessings, the people in your life the relationships, what he's done in your life. So as the bread and the juice is being passed out, would you just thank him privately now? And then we'll take of the bread and we'll take of the juice in just a few moments as a church family.
Here's what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 23. He said, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when He was betrayed took bread and when He had given thanks I think it's notable that in the shadow of the death of Christ Christ still recognized God's faithfulness and His generous provisions to Him and the disciples I don't know about you but I'm thankful for the goodness of God I'm thankful for salvation I'm thankful that I am totally and completely forgiven. I am thankful of His unconditional love. That His approval of me doesn't go up and down. That He has accepted me. And He loves me. And He loves you unconditionally. I am thankful for eternal life. That one day I, I, I will see Him face to face. I'll be with Him with all the other believers and there'll be no more death and there'll be no more pain and there'll be no more tears there's something that we can all be thankful for and when he had given thanks he broke it and he said this is my body which is for you and do this you do this in remembrance of me before we take of the bread let's pray Father, we thank you for your love. And Father, we just thank you for your, uh, your, your grace. And Father, we thank you. We just thank you for salvation. And we thank you for eternal life and your unconditional love. Because that picture is in the picture of the cross. That nobody forced you to go to that cross for us. Father, you went willingly because of your unconditional love for us. Salvation was made possible because of your sacrifice on that cross. And by accepting you and what you did for us on the cross, we can have eternal life, and we just thank you for that. And so, Father, we just want to tell you we love you, and we are thankful that you're a good God, you're a good Father to us. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you take with me, please? Scripture goes on and says, says, in the same way, also Jesus took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat of this bread and you drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. I mean, this is a reminder of one day. One day we'll see him face to face when he'll administer this time. Before we take of the juice, let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your sacrifice, for your blood on the cross. For without it, what Scripture teaches us, there'd be no forgiveness of sin. And so, Father, we thank you for that. So, Father, today, may we understand 
what salvation means. May we live life like we are free and totally and completely forgiven. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you take with me, please? you bow your heads with me and close your eyes let me just ask you what is God saying to you as a result of this message what is your next step every one of us has a next step do you need think therapy in your life I'm, I'm not asking you if your neighbor needs think therapy if your spouse needs think therapy I'm not asking you if your boss needs think therapy I'm asking you do you need think therapy in your life you just become thankful for what God has done in your life for his blessings, for the people that he's placed in your life. Instead, always look at their imperfections. You just need to come to that place where you're just grateful and thankful for people in your life. What is your next step? And you need to tell them. You need to have a conversation with them. Just tell them. Maybe this morning you'd say, you know what, I, I just need prayer. And I'm going through a, a circumstance, a situation in my life, and, and I, mean, I need someone to pray for me. We want to pray for you. Just a few minutes after I pray, we're going to stand. And when we stand together, if you need prayer in any area of your life, whether it's a medical issue, a financial issue, a relational issue, a health issue, maybe you want to pray for someone else, maybe maybe you just want to give God thanks. That's okay, too. Whatever burden you're carrying, if you need prayer, then after I pray, we're going to stand. You come. You just make your way to the front. This is a safe place. You won't be the only one walking. People will be walking with you. And you just respond to this. So if you need prayer in just a second, after I pray, we stand. You, you come as you stand up. Father, we thank you for today. And Father, we thank you that we can live lives as believers, thankful and grateful. So Father, we just ask that you'd pull our church very closely to you. People respond to you. Those that have burdens, those that have prayer requests. Father, may they be ministered to this morning. May they find encouragement and support and comfort as we minister to each other. Father, we just look forward to see what you're going to do. Father, we thank you for story after story, what you have done in the front of this place when people have just humbled themselves and prayed. So, Father, once again, we look forward to see what you're going to do. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.